Welcome to Loop Me In, the podcast community for parents and carers on raising children with disabilities. Join presenters Dr. Lisa Interlegi and Christine Christopoulos and their guests in sharing experiences, information and support ideas to help children with disabilities flourish. Loop Me In is brought to you weekly on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to name a few. You can learn more, connect to the Loop Me In community and listen to more episodes on our website, loop-me-in.com.au. Welcome everyone to our next podcast. Today we're here with Kerry and Zoe from Starfish Nippers, great community uh, life-saving club in Hampton. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hiya. Hello. We're so excited to have you on because our boys both come down to the Hampton Nippers every Saturday and absolutely love it. Very tired when they get home, but absolutely <laughs> love it. And you guys provide a modified version of life-saving for children with a disability. I think it's been running since 2012, is that right? 2013, so we're coming up. Yeah. So tell us both how you got involved. Originally, we saw a absolutely amazing and inspiring lady called Janet Jones. Um, I went to a, uh, the life-saving conference at Life-Saving Victoria, which is what we do every year. And I was the director of uh, development at that stage. And I was there with the president, who was an amazing, inspiring fellow, uh, Paul James. And I heard Janet speak and I went, uh, we need to do that. <laughs> So it was six weeks before the start of the season and I went, righto, we're going to get it up and happening. And in six weeks we had 10 kids. We only was going to start with, but we started with 10, found 10 volunteers in the club and because we support the young people one-on-one to do this life-saving program. So it's exactly the same as the regular nippers, same program. It's just delivered more flexibly, that's all. And then only a couple of years after that, I met Zoe and her husband, Paul, and they were sort of saying, we're thinking, that's great, join, terrific. You want to do your bronze medallion as well? Excellent, that's fabulous. Come on down. And we've been knocking it out of the ballpark ever since and having an absolute blitz of a ball with heaps of laughter every week for the last nine years. I was going to say just I guess a part of that journey as well was that um, I found or came across Kerry and Starfish Nippers because we had a child that was nonverbal and one of the first things that he showed that he wanted to do socially was nippers. But at the place that we were at, it was pretty clear that that was not going to really work particularly well. And my mother-in-law who's been living in Brighton forever, was like, oh, well, why don't you come down to Hampton? They've got this program. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. And sent Kerry an email saying, oh, by the way, I've got, you know, my son would really love to do nippers, but he's underage and he doesn't talk and he's got epilepsy and he's never been to the beach and he doesn't particularly like water. But he'd really like to do starfish, you know, hour, and we live an hour away, so not sure whether that works because we're out of the zone. And Kerry's like, yeah, no, sure, I'm sure we can make that work. That was the start of a huge journey. And definitely a great journey you've had because how many people are involved in Nippers now? 43, and we've got several on the waiting list. Just having said that, though, it's not a group of 43 kids and young adults, though, we've actually, as we got bigger, we got smaller, if that makes sense. So when we got to the stage saying, oh, this is getting a bit busy and we're losing the side of it, we actually broke it down into groups of 10. 
So we've got groups of 10. We've got four groups of 10. It's led each by a group leader and they have individualised programs. And we were really excited a couple of years ago. One of our older young men who are now um, he's into his 20s as well came out and said, Kerry, I'm not a child anymore and I want to do things a bit differently because I'm a bit older. And I went, Nelson, you're damn right. We need to actually, you're an adult now, so we need to do things differently. So we created a group that does big kid stuff. So they do big board paddles, they go and do tube rescues, they go and do signals there. They're all doing sort of, you know, age-appropriate things and we just address it in a, a flexible delivery. So we've now got that group. Zoe's going to lead a group next year, which is our our first rung of our surf rescue certificate. She's going to lead the whole season for that. So we've got a group happening there. And then we've got three other groups and potentially another group next year of 10. Um, so there's 10 adults and 10 participants, nippers, call them my starfish, our starfish, in each of those groups. So how did you know that your son wanted to do nippers? If he'd never been to the beach, he didn't like water and he was non-verbal, what was going uh, there? So we were... And didn't um, have showers either at that stage. Yeah. Like, didn't like water. We were always very determined that my other son was still able to do some of the things that he wanted to do. And it was a real challenge at the time because we had one child that was really into sports and wanted to do a huge amount of things and another child that very much didn't want to do any of that stuff and didn't want to leave the house. So Zach kind of got forced along to nippers with Joshua and Joshua loved it. And Zach sort of over the period of a season, at first he was not interested and I'd have to carry him all the time. But then he started. He didn't like sand. Yeah, he didn't well. like sand. He used to come, like the first time we went down to Starfish, he had socks, socks. up to his knees, yeah. socks on his hands, up to his elbows, his headphones on, a rashy, a pair of goggles because he didn't like the sun. So it was quite a, we actually got photographed by some Chinese tourists. So it was kind of a hilarious situation. But when we were down there with Josh, as the season went on, he started sort of pointing at things and crawling into different groups and just starting to actually pay some attention to what was going on rather than just solely clinging onto me. And that was the first time that he had been interested in doing anything other than just sort of sitting on me and being hung off me. But um, the place that we were at really, you know, they didn't really understand how to how to manage that. So, And how's and it I, going now? Oh, can now. I describe him now? <laughs> We've got a young teenager who's in the teenage group, wow. not a mentor at all, swimming, paddling, blitzing it, running down the beach and... His PB is his personal best is just extraordinary, and it's his favorite thing to do. So sometimes I've had a really big week, and I'm like, "Oh, we've got starfish this weekend." Zach's like, "We've got to get going. What time starfish? When is it on? Where are we going? How are we going? Is it definitely, Mum? It's rained this week. Do you think it'll be on this week? Because it might be bad water quality. Like, oh, Mum, it can't rain on a Friday because we've got to be able to do starfish, <laughs> and it's literally mm. his favorite thing to do." Isn't and it I think that's what we see. Like I know Matthew and Louis are the same. They wait for tomorrow and they get ready and they're probably in bed by 6 o'clock the next night, Saturday oh, night. So but- we can we say <laughs> how we were exhausted. <laughs> Both of my boys fall asleep within about five minutes of being in the car. After yeah. By the way, but we yeah. have to drive. No, but it's, just, it's a huge amount of energy, but it's just because you're absolutely laughing and engaging and doing the whole time and it is just so much fun because 
any child, all abilities or typical needs a fun, safe environment in order to learn and to grow. So that's what we do. And we sort of don't we, and I think that's what's particularly different with the Hampton program is that we leave aside all the disabilities, the labels and the everything else. And we work with the kids with where they're at and support them with where they're at or the what they actually want to do as well. So we actually focus on what they can do rather than what they can't do. And we run with it and we get them to run with it as well. And we get them to reach for the stars just like every everybody else in the community. So I think the real success in that too is that through doing that, it's really created a genuine community that's multifunctional and multifaceted and at a number of different levels. So it's created a community of the starfish that now over the years sort of range from, you know, five years old up to 21 years old. And then there's the mentors that are a part of that. And the mentors are learning so much and engaging and building their skills and feel like they're giving something to the community, but they're also getting something from the community. And often a lot of our mentors are learning things that they need for the rest of their life or for their careers or for their work environment or to build their personal confidence. Or or their professional skills. Build their professional skills. And then on top of that, you've got, you know, parents. And I think speaking (laughs) as a parent rather than as a mentor is definitely provided us with one of the first community spaces that we had that we could just come down and not really worry about Zach too much. Yeah, or, he could or, just be himself. Or be embarrassed. Just, or we didn't he, have to be embarrassed. We yeah, didn't have to be worried. He could just be himself. Even when he had a seizure and he was quite unwell, nobody sort of made a fuss. Like everyone looked after him and did what needed to be done. But, you know, there was just a lot of understanding and mm. we could actually sit back and relax. And that was one of the first times that that had really happened. And then one of the other things that I really noticed now on the flip side of sort of being a mentor is seeing the parents being able to chat with each other and share with each other. And I know sleep, sit down. Well, you sort of look at my sister. My sister's just joined with her son, who's five now. And what they've been able to find is a place where they can share stories mm. that people don't go, oh my God, or oh, you're such a bad parent. Oh, really? Or he did that? Really? Mm. Or. Mm. Oh, you're so over the top, or any of those sort of judgmental things, she can actually just genuinely relax. share, relax, and be. And she's gained a lot of information that she wouldn't have been able to get from anywhere else from other parents. She's been able to start her NDIS journey supported by other parents that have sort of said, Oh, no, no, actually, you know, it is okay for your son to get NDIS. Mm. Like, you should do that. And, mm. oh, look, well, we have carers in our house. This is how it works. You know, no, no, actually, it's awesome. Like, don't put it off, you know, go and start getting some carers into the Shared house, you journey. Know, start doing some of that stuff and having that personal experience rather than the clinical experience, I think has been something that's just been invaluable for her yeah. as a parent as well or a new parent on the journey. That was in 25 words or less, very yeah. good. I think that, that that's right. That's why, I mean, that's why Chris and I do this podcast is that we have the same experience of sharing information with your mums or your parents is the best source of information and not judgment. The information's not out there. Yeah, right. and when you've had a shitty day and you want to talk to somebody and share it, they're not going to, 
you know, they're not going to judge you or you can just share and feel comfortable. No, that, you hit the nail on the head there. There's no judgment. There's no critical comments. There's, mm. It's judgment. And I think that's something that Zoe said at the start. There's no judgment at all. Mm. I think a really good example of that with my sister and her son, Malik, they were sitting on the beach and one of the other starfish that I was actually mentoring last week came up to Malik and was so excited because my sister's also got a little baby was so excited and obsessed by the baby and came over and is all hands and all facing and she doesn't talk and and her mum was like, oh, my gosh, it's okay. Sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, you know, sorry, sorry. And my sister was like, oh, it's okay. Like, we do this all the time. Like, oh, no problems and sat the girl down and let her hold the baby and, you know, have that experience. And it's that sort of, you know, that community that's just really hard to find that's so accepting and understanding and... Yeah, sorries are not allowed. There's no yeah. sorries. There's nothing to be sorry. And that was something that actually quite interestingly that I had to teach Zoe at the start, stop saying sorry for saying mm. He's just gorgeous. And this is the whole point as we see the positives in, in our kids. Beautiful smile, engagement. Oh, my God, he did one more thing this time. Actually, he put his face under this water or he didn't have a meltdown when we pushed, when we squirted water in his face this time or we pushed him down the slide. or it's Whatever it is, we celebrate everything, mm. which it's quite interesting. And I remember, and it's quite notable because when we've been running for nine years and we just finished our ninth year or finishing our ninth year, that at one stage there were two kids that were doing really, really well and I spoke to both parents and said, hey, would you like to have the opportunity to actually go into nippers and we'll send them, send the mentors with them and so they'll be fine. And they said, actually, no. Both of them said, actually, no, can we stay in Starfish? And I went, absolutely, no worries. Can you explain to me why? And they said, for the first time in their life, they are seen as role models and they are seen as, you know, so, you know, somebody to look up to and to sort of copy. And, and they said, that's just Brussels. I went, get it, totally, no worries, they're staying. That's great. And one of them's still with us nine years later and he's he's actually, he's actually this year got his self-risky certificate. So oh, he's wow. out and now he's patrolling when Zoe and I patrol because we both patrol. And he actually and it's to just me, beautiful. last week he, one of the um, starfish was sitting on the mat and sort of looking a little bit lost and I was looking after my starfish and trying to talk to this other starfish and Charlie came up to me and goes, oh, it's okay, I've got it, yeah, I'll sit. And, he, sat, and he goes, oh, that's, that's what I do now because I've got my SRC. And he just had so much pride and pleasure in being mm. able to do that. But, you know, he'd started however many years ago? Nine. Nine years ago. So he started nine years ago as a starfish and has gone through that journey. And I think that for other people, like for him personally and for his parents personally is amazing, but also mm. for other families to be able to see when they've got, you know, like my sister's family, they've got a five-year-old that they're having, you know, new diagnosis, everything's different, lots going on. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, where is this going to go? But then she can look at Charlie and say, oh, well, you know, actually, this is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, there are some good things out of this and, you know, there really is a wonderful future ahead. And that's something that often in those young years you just don't get to experience or see. You're just seeing the negatives and the challenges. And Charlie comes up to me now and says, so what am I doing today? Well, I went, well, you're a water safety today. You're not starfish. Your water safety, go and put on the, and so he's given the uniform and it's that great pride of he's got water safety written on his, on his vest and his stuff like that and he's part of the team. Mm. And that's just, that's just pricey. You can see him visibly swell with sort of how exciting and how proud he is. And it's just, 
And his mum has said it's just been so. So this actually sort of that impact on the rest of their life as well with the confidence mm-hmm. and the, yeah, everything really. It really does impact their sort of whole life by an hour in the afternoon on a Saturday. It's that sense of belonging and I think it's also feeling like they're one of a group and they're not judged. They're, a team. By they're in a team because there's not many kids who've been in a sporting team. That's right. Before. They get awards and they haven't had awards. I remember the parents used to come up and say, this is the first time I've ever awards. It's like, yeah, this one is you can eat the sand the best. Excellent. That's the best sand eating award. <laughs> best, best at splashing, best at getting their face in the water, best at swimming, best at boarding. Whatever it was that they did was, was celebrated. And it was the first time they'd actually had an award. But it's and, also stuff that, you know, it might have been the best at eating sand. But that particular starfish, that was something that gave everybody genuine Mm. pleasure and joy Mm. because it was just such a typical thing of that starfish (laughs) and, you know, took up a lot of time and interest and, you know, there was so much exploration of the sand and, you know, so it's genuinely meaningful, like a, a meaningful reward that identifies and looks at one of the strengths and one of the highlights of that gig. And I think the other thing that I guess in our kids' lives is exercise. And they're not really getting a lot of that, especially as they get older. There's so Take much practice. they can do. Like, you know, they're not going to just go to a gym and work up a sweat. So it's a great exercise and you're in the outdoors. Like it's just awesome for That's them. That's where we're a bit sneaky. So you're just turning everything into a fun and a game. And they run. So mm. duck, duck, goose is running, you get a 1.5-metre beach ball and you have sprints because you've got a beach ball, but you run because you've got a beach ball mm. and you get mats, you get trampolines, you get slides, two-metre slide. Put it out there. They have to swim in order to get out there. They have to get up onto the mat then they have to get up the slide and they go down and they're swimming around again. So it's all these sneaky ways that they're having fun. They've actually got exercise and that's really, really important. But having said that as well, we also do stretches and, and different things like that as well. So it's a very active program. Outdoors, integrating with a lot of other kids, socialising with a massive group of kids, even the kids that are non-verbal and they get really overwhelmed with people and whatnot, they're still there on the the sidelines in a quieter area, but they've still got that engagement and that sort of contact with other exercise and it can be fun. And so they want to do it again. So it's like, great, you'll do it again. I think one of the really awesome things with that as well is that there's a lot of kids that have come across that have gone through the mainstream nippers program and then have got Mm. to sort of teenage years and are possibly slightly not your neurotypical kid, but, you know, have done the mainstream program and are in a mainstream school setting, but they've got to that sort of teenage years and then just become a little bit lost. A couple of the number of those kids or lacking confidence. Or anxiety has just gone up that notch. Too anxious Mm. or, you know, know, whatever their challenge may be. And they've come across to join Starfish and as a mentor and their confidence has just gone through the roof. But also that engagement from those kids that they give to the program is something Kerry and I can't give to the program because they're really cool and they're kids. And I can't remember which Starfish it was, but one of the Starfishes we sort of were quite sort of delicate around and careful around and then one of these other kids, you know, they just don't see any of those things. They don't have any don't preconceptions. They don't see the disabilities. And so they were just doing what they would do with a normal mate and, you know, picked up a bucket of water and tipped it over his head and tipped him off the board. You know, we would never have thought to tip him off the board. 
And this kid came and just tipped him off the board in a really funny manner. And it was priceless. He came out, came out, the water, out of the water, smiling, smiling yeah. from the ear to ear, giggling yeah. and laughing. And that was that was a number of years ago. We went, they just want to have fun. Yeah. Came up, your seven year old boy with all these labels and all these diagnoses. But you know what? It's a seven year old boy who wants to have fun. Mm. So, for goodness sake, and I went, right, I. We got it for goodness sake, and the penny dropped, and we, and, you know, and that's was kids teaching us, and that's the whole point is, you know, they teach us all the time. Well, they're less likely to wrap. We were talking before about parents wrapping their kids in cotton wool, and mm. we've just recently had Braden Jason on interviewing his brother Nathan, and they're both blind and they're both elite athletes. And um, Braden's a Paralympian swimmer, and they talked about their parents really challenging them. And um, they have two other brothers who don't have uh, sight issues and that they just let them go out without, you know, being blind into the surf because they love surfing. And I said, how did you know? Like this happened, they said, well, it just gets smacked in the face. I was about to say, get face water. You know, maybe it's a bit, a bit too much for me today and I'll go back in. But he said that the parents just kind of just let them experience it and he said thank goodness that they did because it's Mm. really helped them that's the part of this program as well we've got 40 kids and there's a lot of interaction between the groups and whatnot as well and you do get that normal peer interaction as well so one of the games in the last couple of weeks is I gave them big water pistols and the kids that might have a bit of sensory issues with water, they got shot in the face as well, and, and in the in the everything as well. Or they were, or they were, they were hitting me in the back of the head, and it bounced off my head and went into them and whatnot. And that was just, and it was like, <gasps> and it was okay, yeah. <laughs> which was fabulous mm-hmm. as well. So do you know what? They're not being wrapped in cotton wool, and that was one of the feedbacks that one of the parents who's now dean me said. Is it, she said the thing that was really lovely to hear from a parent side of you is that you expect them to reach for the stars as well. You don't say, oh, well, you've got all those labels, we'll get you this far. It's like, actually, no, we're actually going to get you to reach this far because why not? If I put the bar here for you to reach here, you're just going to go up there. We're going to actually do it here so you actually have to reach and whatnot. So that's really, really important as well. And how do you tell me about the buddies that you have and how they get trained and a bit about them? A lot of clubs call them trainers, but we like to use the word mentor because mentor, I think, is that you're actually standing beside somebody and being a role model rather than trainers. We didn't think they were sort of trainers, dogs. wasn't a sort of a positive thing, so we call them mentors. And I have got 45 of the most beautiful human beings in the Southern Hemisphere as mentors, and they've we sort of haven't advertised, but we've sort of searched really actively sometimes. So they're just the most amazing. And the only real prerequisite is you have to have a really wacky sense of humour. And that's the only one. I've got mentors that don't swim. I've got mentors that have bronze medallions. And most of us actually have bronze medallions now. And actually a lot of the parents now are getting bronze medallions, which is, you know, there's, so there's, there's plus pluses to everywhere. So basically they either hear about us or I've got whole families, I've got Boyfriends who've bought girlfriends and girlfriends who've bought boyfriends and I've got, you know, parents that have bought kids. I've got patrollers and everyone and whatnot as well. And then so all they have to do is is sort of say, I'm interested. And I go, yes, thank you, fabulous, come here. There's a training. So they we all go through an induction every um, season and that changes from season to season. We've got the basics of 
what the life-saving club is and all that sort of things as well. Then we go through all the different diagnoses so we're aware of the, the sort of big picture. And then once again, they get a handover and they get information, which the parents have provided. The parents, remember, are the people that know the best information about their children and know the most. We actually get a handover from the parents. So the parents are feeling a fairly comprehensive form that just tells us everything so that we need to go, yep, yep, got it, put that away. Right, now we can have, you know, we're actually going to shoot from the stars. So then also the um, our mentors get that handover about the individual starfish as well. And my single most important job every year is to make sure that we get as closely as we can the match to the mentor to the child or the young adult. And I meet all the kids it used to be in face-to-face in the last couple of years have been in Zoom meetings, but I get a feel of the of the expectations of the parents and of the staffish as well, and I know our team really well as well. So we try to match them up. So with active people, I've got mentors that are ocean marathon swimmers. So if I'm going to stick them in a in the sand program and bits and pieces that would pull the daylights out of them as well, and we've got people that are really gentle and sweet in their nature that we that we that I can put with kids that are really um, fearful and anxious and things like that. Or we've got kids that run like the Dickens and I have, you know, you know, the appropriate people. So that's my most important job every year to make sure that I know both sets so, so that we can sort of match them up. And so we don't always get them right by well means, but once a bit, there's a bit of a juggling at the start of the season. But they're well, I hope to, well, you tell me as a, as a mentor, do you feel educated and supported enough? Yeah, I think we spend a lot of time on educating the mentors. And I think that happens in a variety of different ways as the season goes on. So mm-hmm. at the beginning, Kerry and I run a information sort of session where we go through different disabilities and different things. You know, one of the largest things that we sort of need to cover is how to manage seizures in the water. So we have some active education around how, how do you do that and just providing some of that confidence and support to the mm. mentors. And then after that, we sort of provide another opportunity to catch up, but to catch up in a very safe environment that is a place where you can ask any question because in today's society it can be very difficult. There's a lot of politically incorrect, you know, people are worried about being politically incorrect. People are worried about saying the wrong thing. People are worried or about doing the, doing the wrong thing or, or, not, or just not knowing mm. or when this happens, what yes. can I do? Like can I hold their hand? You know, mm. they're like 16. They want to hold my hand. Is that, is that okay? So we provide a really, society now. Yeah, and providing that really safe space to be mm. able to, ask any question, have any discussion with no judgment, just genuine education and understanding. Mm. And we try and keep catch up with the mentors a couple of times over the season just to debrief, share experiences, ask questions mm. and grow in the learning from there. Because we've got a number of, um, we've got a number of corporate people who are mentors and they said, you know, in all this sort of litigation area and stuff, think, can we hold their hands? Can we give them high five? Can we give them a cuddle? I said, well, you won't have a choice because they'll give you one anyway. Um, so that's not uncommon. They'll just come and grab your hand. And then they said, well, what do you do if they try to get up onto the whatever? And you, I said, "Big, well, you boot them up or you hop, you know, up you go. You've got no choice. You've got 50 people around you. Actually, what, between both of us, got 80 people around you. You know, and these kids are... They don't know that you're not allowed to touch and, as in, you know, hold their hand, give them a cuddle, give them high five. And what are you going to sort of say? I said, no, you're crying and, and you're upset and you really need a cuddle, but I'm not allowed to because, you know, mum and dad are over there and whatnot and, you know, that sort of stuff as well. So 
it can be tricky. You've just got to bring common sense and that we're dealing with little human beings here. And also I think that understanding of that we can sometimes be a younger personality socially in a more mature body. Often there can be a discourse in that Mm. and being able to acknowledge that discourse and look at that discourse is a really important understanding and understanding that at the end of the day, so long as everything that's done is done with, you know, care and the right the right idea and the right respect, then what we're working towards is a safe environment where everyone can just be their best and, you know, get the support that they need to be able to enjoy and, and participate. And it was interesting, like, you know, having two 21-year-olds and sort of say actually they need to have help changing. Do we have a space that has that you're allowed to take two 20-year-olds in with a female to help them get changed. Oh, my God, in a normal environment? No, we don't. So it's like, hey, guys, we've got a challenge. How are we going to deal with this? Because this is happening and this has to happen. If there's, you know, it, you know, you can't drag two 20-year-old young men into a ladies' change room and those sorts of things. So, hey, guys, how are we going to deal with this, you know, for the respect of the boys and of the, of the people coming with them and everything else like that? Oh, my God, yeah, we better think about it and figure it and out. I know that's a, it's actually on some of the forums that I'm involved in. It's actually a question that's getting explored mm-hmm. quite a lot at the moment and not even for that age bracket where there's a, there's a real obvious need for it, but also at that age bracket where you're looking at sort of, you know, 8 to 11-year-olds, and I know mm-hmm. we went through this experience with Zach where, there was no way I could send him into the men's by himself. A, he didn't know how to dress himself and undress himself. B, he probably would never have come out or he would have done something that other people, you know, were challenged by or These didn't understand. Or, well. But then I had this situation where it was clearly other people were not comfortable with him being in the women's change room either and there was also the potential for him to possibly say things or do things that were going to make people feel a little bit uncomfortable. And, you know, how, how do you do that and how do you navigate? And he is an able-bodied person, so that sort of brought up the whole issue of, well, can we use the all-abilities toilet or not? Is that it's okay? What are the rules? And then we would go and try and use that and it still wasn't really big enough for, you know, like three three adults. Adults. a big kid and by the time you've got three adults really in there it was still quite difficult to do what we needed to do in that space because, you know, change rooms are bigger for a really obvious reason. But then the disability toilet is at the end of the day a toilet and there isn't really enough space. So, you know, those those experiences I think have been really interesting. And it's been really great to challenge an organisation to say, hey, guess what? We're not doing this so well. What are we going to do? So it's sort of, yeah, it's it was really good eye-opening experience for the rest of the club and that's where the rest of the club I think has benefited by looking at how we do things and that leads leads into how we, the language we use and how we communicate and what's okay and what's not okay and actually that's not a really respectful way of communicating and things like that as well. So, yeah, it leads to a lot of other thoughts they hadn't thought about thought about but also it's had a huge ripple effect just little things like you know we've got a really big community now that uses the canteen along the side with everybody else so the people that are working on the canteen you know often wouldn't have otherwise been in that world Mm. but are now you know learning and experiencing that you know I've had some feedback that they were like oh yeah well you know I was then in the shopping center and there was this person but you know 
it was all good because, you know, it was, he was just the same as Zach down at Starfish. So, you know, I was able to help the mum out and, you know, able to do something for, you know, I understood what was going on. It's that what they that call ripple effect. disability and confidence and mm-hmm. they feel that confident to sort of say, actually, no, that's not that strange and it's not that hard and, and all of that sort of thing. So they actually feel not sort of they, yeah, it's that confidence and actually disability is not that hard. They're all human beings and needing care and respect like everyone else. They just do it a bit differently. So let's figure out what they need. I mean, it's a great, way break, a great way to break down discrimination, isn't it? It's just to have people exposed to each other and, you know, we don't see somebody with different needs or different abilities, then you might not have that confidence or you might discriminate. So, um, And that's what's been gold in having siblings, So we've actually had a number of families that came and we just have got a number of families that have got siblings and we've got like two starfish or what's even better is you have a starfish and a sibling in the regular nippers. And, you know, the regular nippers are going, yeah, hi, and the starfish are going, yeah, back, and they're saying, oh, God, who's that? And they say, oh, it's my sister, you know, Rosie, she's in starfish. And they go, well, why she's in there? And she says, oh, well, she does things a bit differently. And they come over and there's that interaction and whatnot. And it just normalises it. You know, well, that's Rosie, but she's my sister. Just like you've got a sister, you know, I've got a sister and she's in Starfish. It's no big deal. And just to normalise it, actually, you know what? There's a bell curve in society. I'm going to tell you, tell you what. And not everyone's in that sort of typical sort of top of the bell curve. And it's okay if they're not. It's just a different part of the bell curve, maybe What's normal anyway? Any other, like we're very lucky because, um, you know, we're locals or, you know, we're close to Hampton. Um, are there any other surf life saving clubs that are learning from what you're doing and doing similar things around Australia? Do you have kind of a network of clubs? Yeah, that- there is. There's um, Starfish Australia started down in Anglesey with Janet Jones and they've been running a year before us. So, And there's about 15 clubs in Victoria right from sort of Torquay right down to Wonthaggy and Portsea and whatnot as well. But there's a there's a majority, and we've got 57 clubs in Victoria, so there's a lot more that we need to sort of get to. And there's staff as staff as Australia says, it's across Australia and in Tassie, Perth, uh, Western Australia. We've actually now got a club in France that's running Starfish Australia as well, which is fabulous. But once again, they're not in every club. And, yes, you need to be able to go down and access your local community resources. So you should be able to go down to your local beach and actually say, you know, actually they've got it sorted for a beach map for my child in a wheelchair or for he doesn't work particularly well, unstable, you know, ground and things like that. So we have got a a bit of a zest to get a starfish program in, at least in every club in Victoria. We recently had a grant which we made a a video, professional video, which was supported by a video company to actually sort of show the joy and the magic that we have. So to try and encourage more clubs to start and to actually encourage more parents to go down to the local club and say, hey, have you thought about a starfish club? Starfish program. Say it's, so. a, it's a really important two-sided thing because mm-hmm. through talking to a variety of people in trying to support clubs to start up a new program is one of the things is that if they haven't had the program before, they haven't seen the need and they genuinely, it's not that they're trying to exclude, they genuinely don't realise that there is a need. So without people in our community sort of going and approaching our local, you know, life-saving clubs and saying, hey, I've got this kid and, you know, he really wants to or she wants to be involved, they just don't realise that it's needed or Mm -hmm. a lot of people actually want to run the program but just sort of 
really confident as to whether it's needed or whether people are taking them up or if we put the work in, will we get people? Like, will they come and be with us? So I think it's really a, a two-way process mm. where we need to also as a community communicate what we need and really push for those resources and those programs to be running. So in this video, we actually show the benefit there is not only for the starfish and families, but also for the club, but also for your local community as well. So there's a really, it's a win-win. And our motto or our theme is that when everyone belongs, everyone wins. So, and that's everybody. And it's a great video. I've watched it a few times with Matthew. So <laughs> awesome. A great sense of community like we've talked about today. Really awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I really have enjoyed having a chat. And um, as I said before, Louis loves coming down. And we did get a video of him falling off the slide, which was hilarious. <laughs> but he, you know what? He persisted. He got back up again and um, went down. Absolutely. Side. Oh, he's been down lots of times and not actually off the side. No, he's, yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for your efforts and your care and the joy that they have in, in coming down and having a swim and having fun yeah well, thanks so much also to your sons for mm. taking up the challenge and coming and joining our community I think the role models that they're able to mm. provide for the younger kids is also just so invaluable to the program and to our community at Hampton and the joy they bring the joy they bring every week as well with their, their smile smiles are just <laughs> contagious <laughs> you definitely can't miss them can you no, no not at all we're just priceless thank, thank you so much ladies thank thanks you. for inviting us Bye. Thanks for being part of the Loop Me In community today and joining our conversation on raising children with disabilities. Join us for the next episode on some of your favourite platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you would like to support us, please recommend the Loop Me In podcast to your network of parents, carers and providers. If you would like us to cover a topic or invite a guest to chat, please email us at contact at loop-me-in.com.au or go to our website at loop-me-in.com.au. If you've got any feedback, please let us know so we can improve and cover issues you want. And of course, if anything in the podcast today has raised concerns for you, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or Lifeline on 13114.